We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We'll begin with some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Bridget Regan has been cast as Poison Ivy for season three of Batwoman. This will be a recurring role for the actress, who has previously appeared on TNT's The Last Ship, as well as in another live-action comic book television series, Agent Carter, on ABC. The opening title sequence for Star Trek Prodigy debuted during Paramount Plus's Virtual Television Critics Association presentation last week. You can view it on one of the FF social media pages, and while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed, and we love to be liked. The theme for Star Trek Prodigy was scored by Academy Award winner Michael Giacchino. Star Trek Prodigy premieres this fall on Paramount+. Plus. An anniversary this week as Timely Comics, Marvel Comics No. 1, was published 82 years ago on August 31, 1939. The comic featured the first appearance of Namor the Submariner as well as the original Human Torch. The comic book was the golden age beginning of Marvel's pantheon of superheroes. It was announced this week that actress Annie Wershing has been cast as the Borg Queen in season two of Star Trek Picard in what will be a recurring role. Star Trek Picard returns to Paramount Plus with new episodes in 2022. Warner Brothers themed entertainment and Creation Entertainment announced this week that the Game of Thrones official fan convention will take place at the Rio Hotel and Suites Convention Center in Las Vegas from February 18th through the 20th, 2022. You can get more information via the website at creationent, that's creationent.com. And speaking of conventions, DragonCon, billed as the largest multimedia, popular culture convention focusing on science fiction and fantasy, gaming, comics, literature, art, music, and film in the universe, is taking place this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. The con, which was first held in 1987, is back after a hiatus last year due to you-know-what. More information is available via the website at dragoncon.org, but unless you're streaming this from Atlanta, I don't really expect you to show up there this weekend. Looking forward to catching up with my friends who were there because I want to find out whether or not this is a con or a super spreader event. And some sad news this week is Edward Asner passed away on August 29th. The American actor was best known to genre audiences for his work on a variety of animated series including Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, 
Gargoyles, Freakazoid, Captain Planet, and Spider-Man, the animated series, among many others. He was 91. Today we're talking about some of those news items and more. But before I introduce today's panel, we have the official Fantastic Forum review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which just opened in theaters this week. The film earned 8.8 .8 million in preview screenings on Thursday night and uh, is projected to take in possibly as much as $75 million, which would be a new Labor Day box office weekend record. So, here is the official FF review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is an important movie for what it represents in the Hollywood system that has a history of having ignored or neglected Asian performers for decades. Perhaps no other ethnic group has been as consistently marginalized. Whites performing in blackface ultimately fell out of favor, but yellowface continued well into the 1980s. Therefore, to have an Asian director and a predominantly Asian cast in a Hollywood picture is noteworthy, to say the least. And this is a big movie. Superhero genre from Marvel Studios. Top of the heap, so to speak. The film loosely adapts the comic book character Shang-Chi, who is known as the Master of Kung Fu. Created by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin, Shang-Chi made his first appearance in 1973 at the height of the martial arts movie craze. Simu Liu plays the title role. You may remember Liu from Kim's Convenience. He's a talented young actor who is also a skilled stunt performer. Liu handles the demands of the job exceptionally well. I think in many pictures, particularly in the martial arts genre, the star's performance is overwhelmed by the action. This doesn't happen with Liu. He manages to artfully balance his acting performance with the required physicality. The movie follows Shang, who we find living in San Francisco, as he is drawn into a web of intrigue involving the family he left behind. Through a series of flashbacks, the audience learns about the circumstances of his estrangement. Shang determines he must return to China and confront his past in an effort to secure his future. The film co-stars Aquafina as Shang's best friend, Katie. Also featured are Michelle Yeoh, Benedict Wong, Fala Chin, Florian Montano, Ben Kingsley, Minger Zhang, and Tony Chu Wai Lung as Shang's father. Everyone gives great performances, although I need to single out Aquafina and Tony Chu Wai Lung in particular. Aquafina seems to stand out regardless of whether she's acting, singing, doing stand-up, or whatever. And Tony Chu Wai Lung although he may be unfamiliar to Western audiences, is internationally known and one of Asia's most successful actors. Long breaks stereotypes as Shang's father in a role that isn't that of a traditional villain. In fact, this movie doesn't actually have a villain per se. Destin Daniel Cretton had his work cut out for him as the director but he combines all the elements effectively and with obvious care. Cretton co-wrote with screenwriters Dave Callahan and Andrew Lanham. In some ways, I don't know what to make of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This movie tries really hard to be something unique. It makes every effort to avoid stereotypes, 
which is positive. But I think it goes so far out of its way in doing so that what it's attempting is obvious and could even be perceived as pandering. Although in its defense, the character of Shang-Chi comes from a different place in comic book history, and that's a place that is rife with stereotype. For comic book adaptations, I'm usually very interested in how accurately the producers translate the source material. In this case, the producers are running in the opposite direction. For example, in the comics, Shang's father is the diabolical Fu Manchu. You don't get more Asian stereotypy than that. And the main plot line for most of the original run was Shang-Chi versus his father. So, out of necessity, all of that stuff was out. Consequently, this Shang-Chi bears little resemblance to the one in the comics. My issue is, while the movie begins with a focus on his martial arts mastery, it ultimately leans towards the supernatural power of the Ten Rings. And the Shang-Chi from the comics wasn't known as the master of kung fu for nothing. He was so skilled that he could fight super-powered opponents with a high likelihood of victory. It's clear that the intention is to integrate this character into the pantheon of Marvel Cinematic Heroes going forward. I sort of wish they'd done it another way. And there's the avoidance of stereotypes to the point where, rather than have an Asian villain, they opt for no defined villain at all, which I think is a weakness in the film. And I'm not clear as to whether the producers are more interested in cultural sensitivity or in reaching the Chinese market. Most likely both. But I enjoyed it nevertheless. It has everything audiences have come to expect from Marvel and plenty of it. And in that this is a primarily Asian cast, you're seeing something you haven't before. There are plenty of Easter eggs for fans. Lots of action, adventure, drama, and of course, humor. The movie runs two hours and 12 minutes. While it drags in places, it maintains a brisk pace overall. It's rated PG-13 and is violent and kind of scary in parts. But you can take kids as young as perhaps 11. They won't understand everything, but probably won't be bored. This is a good movie, and I expect it will be well-received by fans and an important film for the Asian community. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review, excuse me, the official spoiler-free FF review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which uh, opened Friday at theaters nationwide. So it's time for me to introduce my guests. I am joined in studio for this edition of Fantastic Forum by Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, and Julian Lytle. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Glad to be here. Hey. Hello. Yay. So um, one of the news items that we had mentioned earlier was the 82nd anniversary of the publication of Marvel Comics number one from Timely Comics. And I'm just sort of wondering uh, what you guys think about that. Because uh, as we, well, <laughs> as we have seen with Shang-Chi, for example, and actually a number of other of the comic book properties that have been adapted into movies and television series, the original source material, given when some of this stuff came out, becomes somewhat dated, uh, shall we say, over the years. And you need to both appeal to the sensibilities of a younger audience 
and address various issues with the source material like stereotypes and lack of diversity. So I'm, I'm curious as to what an anniversary like this means because short of uh, well, actually, heck, this this comic really was, even though Marvel Comics didn't exist, this comic book was literally the beginning of uh, the Marvel heroes because, of mm-hmm. course, the android Human Torch and uh, created by Carl Burgos and the Submariner created by Bill Everett uh, ultimately were folded into the Marvel Comics universe, along with uh, Captain America, created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Cap wasn't for another few years after that. But these other guys uh, ultimately joined Marvel, and arguably, uh, particularly in terms of the Submariner, became among their most important characters. Uh, not only because of the influence on the Marvel universe going forward from when these characters were introduced, but also because of their longevity. So I'm just sort of curious what you guys think about all of that. Hmm. Hmm. Really? I think right now it's probably going to be, this is be overshadowed by the fact it's the 80th anniversary of Captain America. Yeah, that's going to steamroll that. (laughs) Um, Since that that character, you know, had essentially a TV show and a lot of things. So it's... I get it's weird with me with Marvel because technically like Marvel's been like three different things before it became like the Marvel comics we know in the sixties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well but, well specifically what are you referring to? So, you know, as you say, it was first timely comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was that for a little bit. And then that wasn't popping no more. So it was like, yo, let's change this to the, to Atlas. And we're gonna be Atlas for a while. Then it was like, Oh, this ain't rocking no more. Let's let's make some romance comics, some monster comics. And then, you know, by this time, Jack Kirby to fall in the war, Stan Lee's running it, and so it's about to like about to close down, and then, you know he had to talk with the big cousin. And it was like, yo, Martin Goodman, <laughs> yo, I was talking to the, the dude who runs a uh, national DC Comics, and he was like, they got this team called Justice League, and we need a team, go make a team, and guess what, we got a team, <laughs> we got a Fantastic Four, and then it started going from that, and then we get a little Spider Man, a throwaway comic. Amazing Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man last was like, oh. episode of it. Last issue. It was like, oh, <laughs> this is a hit. Mm-hmm. And then we, got, then we got Marvel Comics. But it's like, that's a good run. That was almost, they was, they was an underdog for a long time. Yeah. Come on, DC yeah. was putting out their comics for them. Yeah, yeah. Controlled the space. Literally controlled the space. You get 12. On, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the rack. Hey, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Julian Lytle and Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz. And we were just talking a little bit about the 82nd anniversary of the publication of Marvel Comics number one, yep. which was published by Timely Comics, hit stands back on August 31st, 1939, was the first appearance of the Submariner and the Android Human Torch. Now, um, you very rightly pointed out that the anniversary of, well, although one thing I, I do want to mention in passing is, uh, you mentioned the Fantastic Four. We just had the anniversary, the 61st anniversary of, uh, sorry, the 60th anniversary of the publication of Fantastic Four, number one, also. But the fact that uh, the this 
um, the 80th anniversary of Captain America is going to overshadow all yep. this other stuff, you know, just kind of given the nature of that particular character versus some of these others. It also has mm -hmm. to do specifically with the quality of the, I don't want to say purity of the idea, but um, Jack Kirby, basically, when he created Captain America, what's fascinating, basically, is that if you see the character he created back in the day compared to the character we have now, is recognizable. It's not the same, of course, but it's recognizable in terms of the fundamentals of the character. If you compare it with the Human Torch, and if you compare it with Namor, who hate to say it, he's a known character, but I wouldn't say, oh wow, he's wildly popular right now. Uh, and even when they're going to reintroduce that character now in the in the new uh, Black Panther Black Panther movie, they're going to make significant changes to the character to the point that it almost reads like a yeah, we don't, we don't know that. That's what I'm saying. Like we don't. Well, I think <laughs> Namor, Namor is a is a character that's just waiting to blow up. Because Namor is is perfect. Because it's like <laughs> okay, one one thing that one, yeah. one thing that may happen, and and I'll I'll actually address Robert, Roberto's and Julian's points first. Um, Captain America has been in print for so long, and it's been such a key integral part of the Marvel universe through the Avengers and mm -hmm. other, other things that his celebrating his 80th is a obviously a big deal for Marvel. The the by contrast, Namor and the original Human Torch are not major characters in Marvel these days. They're not pr considered particularly important. They get guest spots here and there in X-Men or Avengers or whatever, but they haven't sustained their own titles in many 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 years and even then the human torch is not the human torch that not the one that everyone knows exactly the so one that everyone knows is basically the one that again the king yeah mess with yeah. <laughs> and when so the king did something to something it stuck yeah, and they, that's the thing i love about they, this they, stuff they about jack curry yeah it's a character that really wasn't being being used anymore um so there's so there's that so there, that's part of what's going on here the other thing is that um in namer's case with black panther 2 um, in Endgame, they mention, oh, there's this subsea quake, and, you know, we, or you handle it by not handling it, kind of thing. Was that Atlantis? We yeah. don't know. Was Atlantis destroyed? Nobody knows this or not, and Namor's been wandering around ever since. So we'll probably see some payoff for that happen in Black Panther 2. Yeah. Mm. Hey, uh, so Julian, I'm curious. You said that Namor was perfect. What do you mean? I mean, you know, like, think of it. He's a, he's one of the few characters that they have that is quote unquote an Avenger because that means something now. Okay. Um, he has all these superpowers. Mm -hmm. uh, he comes from the sea. Mm -hmm. He works as an antagonist and a protagonist at the same time. Mm -hmm. He's a uh, part of the Fantastic Four, which they're going to introduce. He connects to Captain America in the past because he was an invader. Mm -hmm. um, he's a mutant. And he's a mutant. Yeah. So. He's a perfect character. And when they bring in the real bad guy, I mean, Victor Von Doom, ruler of Latveria, <laughs> <laughs> the realest who ever do it, that is like his main homie. Like, hey, you trying to war against the uh, United States again? Yes, let's do this. Imperius Rex, let's go. They polluted the ocean again. I told him what's going to happen. I was like, I got soldiers and I got fish. Let's go. We're going to do this. <laughs> I got a giant whale thing with feet. If they play him differently than the way uh, DC completely reimagined Aquaman yeah. from like this cool like surfer dude 
if they play bro like, Aquaman if be a Brockman you know what I'm saying <laughs> uh, they they if they go the opposite direction with Namor as like a lovable super proud well not even lovable but like <laughs> not lovable a sexy anti-hero <laughs> like yo like oh he's a bad guy in this movie but in this other movie he's like the homie he's like Hamlet with gills bruh <laughs> like Imperius Rex like in one movie he's fighting somebody with, and then in, the, in Captain America 4 or 5 or whatever him and Winter Soldier's like yo you remember this time we rolled up on the Nazis in Hydra and we did this and I picked up a tank and I crushed that guy like you know it's all these other things it's like all so, so many things you could go it's like yo he's He's perfect. And you know, <laughs> they cast him as Asian American or something, because you know, he actually should look Asian American and like some other characters. I'm surely they're good Mexican American. Uh, mm-hmm. have, have they actually cast him? I believe Are we they sure? Have, uh, or is it just, just rumors on random uh, That's a good question. I don't know. I do All believe I've been they hearing have. are rumors, and I was going to uh, add. So I see the variety, I don't believe it. Hey, I was going to add that w- if we if we see well, once we see who is actually cast as Namor, that's gonna that's gonna tell us quite a bit. Yep, um, Drew Hamlet with gills. <laughs> because the rumor I heard specifically is that they're going to basically make Atlantis be, which is very original, like Mesoamerican. But yo, that's I'm sorry, make it what Mesoamerican? Mesoamerican. Yeah, but like, why mestizo? Mestizo. Well, you have all these. Uh, Pacific Islander people, you could easily basically the like Island, Caribbean they, they, people. They, like, but it's but it's in the Atlantic though. They, so. You have the Caribbean. That's true. But the right. argument they could, no, that that could work. <laughs> just yeah. saying, like there's a yeah. <laughs> well, Yucatan Peninsula is right there. So yeah. they the argument could be made that basically the Pacific Islander has been done with Aquaman because he is more influenced specifically by. His actual heritage. He uh, the Caribbean yeah. underwater. I'm just yeah. saying, yo, there's mad Filipinos with, with Latin names if you want to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> Blame Spain for that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like, for the mess I created there, it's like, what were you thinking? Like, how about All over the world, man. Yeah, All over the some, world. Some actual of the Latin characters. Mm. But my man, Human Torch, man, that guy, even in the comics, he get a bad rap. Like, they don't even use him too much. Like, how they all. It's like, oh, yeah, you're the basis for the vision, and then we're going to stop. You're like, use your body what's for the vision. And then, yeah, and then John Byrne said, oh, no, he ain't neither. Yeah. <laughs> and said, yeah, he's actually been lying in a box all this time, so. Let's turn him on. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he's always on fire. <laughs> he comes out in the air. He comes on fire. It's just like, he com- he becomes redundant. So it's, I think it's hard to use him because, like, yeah, you he's have Johnny Storm. He's oh, just another flaming guy at this but point. But seriously, have they used the character recently? The the original Android? They use Toro he, more than they use. He, he shows up in Avengers well, we saw, once in a while. Well, well, oh, you're talking about in the comics. Because yeah. in yeah. the MCU, he actually was in Captain America the he First was. Avenger. Yes, yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was like, whoa, look at that. Huh? Let's see if they actually pull that he's, out of He's in the, that tube mm-hmm. in the Yeah, I remember seeing that. It's just that he just doesn't... He, no, doesn't, do he don't do nothing. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, apparently, if they allow air into the tube, he bursts into flame. <laughs> it's like... No, but I'm just saying... He had to work that quite out. Yeah. Steve could use some help. <laughs> <laughs> we're fighting Hydra. The guy's on fire. We cannot <laughs> use the character. He might blow up. But isn't it weird that they haven't used the character I, I get it why, but they haven't used the character at all. Well, why do you, wait, wait. You say you get it why. Why do you think they haven't used the character? The Fox thing. It's specifically. This is not connected to Fox at it's all. It's not. No. It's not, no. but I no. guess. He, 
I well, wait. You said you knew why they had no. It's a guess. It's an educated guess. But look at the comics. Why don't they use Jim Hammond? That's the reason why if you're thinking about characters to use and you got your whiteboard and you got your, your Kevin Feige and his crew, like, oh, man, who are we going to do? And he said, man, Jim Hammond ain't on that list. No, I mean, and, and Julian has a right. I mean, he's redundant because Johnny Storm is the human torch that more people yes. know. And the the upshot of it is that Jim Hammond's going to always be a second-run character even Ouch. though he came first. And never mind that he basically was one of the the cornerstone yeah. of the creation of the company, but of course, hey, of course. I don't know if he was a corner. I don't know if it's fair to call it a cornerstone, but he was like uh, he was one of the early. He ones. was the early major things, but like yeah, yeah he, he he fights yeah. name on the Submariner a lot. Yeah. Mm, yeah, well you know that whole fire versus water thing. In fact, that was apparently the first crossover <laughs> where really? you had yeah mm-hmm. i mean you know because submariner was his in, he had his own series and the human torch had his own series huh. and then somebody got the brilliant idea hey let's have him fight and so it was kind of yeah. like a team-up crossover thing and fire versus water you know yeah. all that makes yeah. sense somehow but yeah, uh. yeah. <laughs> even the invader stuff was added on later on as a retcon from roy thomas writing invaders mm-hmm. in like the late 60s and 70s so it's yeah. not like something that was always there well but didn't the all winner squad kind of because you know you had at least the human torch was part of that and captain america and the wizard and miss america i think so and, it just the, yeah. the deep characterization that like oh they were this group and they did all this stuff like oh you know that that comes later when it's like well mm. let's flesh this out yeah, you know, oh, definitely. Which is the first generation of fans actually making comics for Rory Thomas. But here's yeah, the well, because I don't even know that the all winners were fighting Nazis. You know, I don't know. I think they, I think they did. Yeah. I think, I think it was different than DC. DC mm-hmm. was like, they don't fight the Nazis. That's unfair to the troops. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have a kind of mm-hmm. a point. Yeah, but uh, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of curious specifically, why do you think Jack Kirby in the 60s felt the need to reboot the character like that? Well, you think it's just all him by himself with that, that regard. It was it was like literally like, oh yeah, Stan was like, oh, we gotta make a team. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll make a straight. Hey, 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 Jack, what, what can we do? And then, you know, they probably talked it out in the office, and Stanley was jumping on couches, and Jack Kirby was like, all right, and, I guess we can do this. Probably, <laughs> and, we and, take this monster guy. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you, I mean, you're you're sitting around looking at you know your dead character file and you come yeah. across the Captain America you got the name Captain America and yeah. you got this guy with a great design and he's got a shield and he's so cool it's like how can you not resurrect that character and put him in your team book especially after you've just kicked out the Hulk well and especially given the tenor of the comics at the time and this was something that ultimately had to uh, be overcome because Mm -hmm. the fantastic four well in fact i think the only one who wasn't fighting the commies (laughs) yeah was spider-man basically (laughs) you know i mean uh, iron man wasn't wasn't chameleon a russian spy (laughs) (laughs) really no he really wasn't (laughs) (laughs) drew's just saying that (laughs) alex merjikov (laughs) oh by the way if you guys want to have a blast look for pictures of stan lee at the beginning of marvel comics seriously how he looked Compared to when he looked back in the early seventies, I mean, well, he, well, the transform- he made. A, he, made oh, yeah. he, he made a this. He made a purposeful decision <laughs> to create a, a persona yeah. that worked with speaking at colleges. He, he looks like a completely different world. human being. Flashman to be a counterculture figure. Uh, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, that's right, that's right, Ulysses. There's a reason why that issue of Mister Miracle as Funky Flashman is the way it is. <laughs> who, oh, no doubt. Who was there the whole time? 
was the king being salty. And then Steve, <laughs> Steve Dicko don't even talk about it. He just sat there just being tight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Tight to his death. You, no, it's, you, it's just, you just know. To the point where know. one wonders if uh, maybe... Steve Ditko didn't come up with some of this stuff too. It's like, hey, you yeah. remember there was that guy, the Submariner? Why don't we bring him back? You know? Yep. I mean, you know, because they, they there was a collaboration of sorts that went on at the time, and it led to the proliferation of all this stuff. I mean, you know, this yeah. whole uh, yeah. what happened on the college campuses with them being embraced, and it's really fascinating really? When, when you think about it. Well, yeah, in the sense that. These college students, you know, for example, they're reading Doctor Strange, and <laughs> apparently, Jeez, I you can why. find, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but look, you can you can <laughs> find <laughs> stuff that is very similar to stuff that is real, apparently, and the names are kind of close, and. You know, Lee would get on these campuses and these students would pepper him with questions. They're like, oh, we noticed, Mr. Lee, the similarity between the hoary hosts of Hogoth and this stuff that they dug up in Persia. And, you know, did you deliberately do this stuff? And Stan Lee is thinking, I just made this crap up. But, you know, I was a voracious reader and so maybe some yeah. of the stuff stuck as a child or whatever. You know? Yeah, which is really out of you is like... Thanks for the on, question, on the, on, the back of the, on the back of the page, probably, Steve Zirko was like, yeah, this, this, that, the third, this, this, Because guess who's probably doing the, the bulk of the work yeah. of doing, yeah. of doing yeah. Doctor Strange comics specifically? Yeah. That, a lot of that came out of his head, which, which kind of goes against, like you know, the the idea now with uh, his the legend, his thing with Ayn Rand and everything. Like, if you read a Doctor Strange comic, it actually doesn't yeah. completely fit those Does, politics doesn't and beliefs. Well. Hmm. But you know, even when you look at those old comics, uh, Doctor Strange looked uh, Asian. Yeah. He didn't even. You know, some, he didn't some, like a white that's dude. That's true. At all. That's true. Um, until some, later, mm -hmm. some people, some people sour as they get older. You know. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Stanley was with the Unrang. No, in Rand. St St I mean, Steve Ditko. Yeah, he was. He was hardcore oh, obje objectivist. Yeah. Oh man, seriously. Can, yeah. can you see what? But do you? Do you? Can you see why a person with 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 gold <laughs> will fall into that after you see a person take all the credit? Yeah. For something so famous yeah. that you had a heavy hand in creating. Jeez. Do you see how that could drive you into certain places Things that make and you beliefs? Hmm. It's not like DC's <laughs> innocent of that nonsense. Uh, well, there are more checks in DC. Yeah. Yeah, Just saying. Yeah, and their their transgressions were a little bit different. Yes. Well, Frank Miller didn't create Batman. <laughs> exactly. So. Mm, yeah, well, and, uh, you know, that, that sort of derivatives, <laughs> that's like, yep. that's a whole nother thing. We were talking about that, though, too. But, hey, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, and, among other things, that means that we are non-commercial. Which means, among other things, that we rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent company, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift today and support this wonderful institution that is community media. So, we're not done yet. In fact, we've just barely scratched the surface of this conversation. So, hang around for a couple of 
uh, friendly notices from our sponsors. It will, you know, well, we don't want to have a spot. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, listen to this stuff here, and we'll be back with more Fantastic Forum right after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz. And in the first half of the program, we were talking a little bit about the 82nd anniversary of the publication of Marvel Comics Number no. 1, which was published by Timely Comics. That came out August 31st, 1939. And we have done some uh, rather furious wow. researching here. And it was reported back in June that an actor had been cast as Namor the Submariner. Yes. Uh, Roberto, you had looked that up. Can you share with us who that was? Oh, my silly man. Well, you don't remember. No, I don't. <laughs> but it was some Mexican guy, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, does anybody remember who this cat is? Well, sorry. Skull being caught flat-footed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, look, I saw it myself, and I remember taking in, oh, yeah, this is the guy. And then I don't remember who it was either. <laughs> but well, hey, we'll look that up real quick, though. But um, what? Were, why were we saying that was important? There we go. Somebody help me out. Oh, okay. So wait, who is this? Teo Huerta. He's a Mexican actor. Okay. That's All right. the actor that thinking. That and he is reported as having been cast as Namor the Submariner for. Uh, Black Panther 2 uh, Wakanda, Wakanda Forever. Forever. Which makes somehow mm -hmm. sense that a country in Africa would be fighting uh, a war against Atlantis? Well, well they, 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 that's, that's from they the comic clashed. books. They yeah. clashed before. So. That's absolutely well, from the comic books. A lot of that is books. very, very mm -hmm. modern take. That, huh. A lot of that is from the Hickman era of mm -hmm. making Marvel. Uh, yeah, I think it's like, oh, you just run it past all the... Because it, it'll get to a certain point because of Wakanda and Black Panther so beloved. It's like, I think that's going to hurt the character a little bit because there's going to be a bunch of people like, I'm going to hate Namor because of what he did to Wakanda. I'm like, I like him when he's like beefing with everybody else, for, but also like a hero. Like, I like him being like a, a, a dirt dog to read. Like, yeah, I'm going to hit on your wife in front of your face. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> you see that, you see that pretty blonde over there? Sue, I'm going to tick her. If Sue, was, if Sue wasn't giving him any rhythm, there wouldn't be any issue. That's <laughs> oh. all I can say. <laughs> oh. You know, yeah. I mean, before they got married. Hey, but now Reed made that commitment. Because, you know, when, when she first well, when she first was making goo-goo eyes at Namor, she was a single woman. And, you know, they were just boyfriend well, and girlfriend. Well, married. yeah, well, hey, look, if you're not married, you're single. <laughs> is all I can say. Been. So Reed didn't have no paper on her, is all I can say. No, there you go. Yeah. So do you think that they're going to introduce the seeds for the Fantastic Four in that, with the Namor thing, and, or not? Uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, that that's one of those <laughs> great mi- greater minds than I have raised that question. Wait, when, it, is, when does that movie come out? Like twenty twenty. I think next year. Next no, year. no, I'm talking about Fast Four. Oh, twenty twenty three. Couple twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. You know, it's it's still ways away. But yeah. the question is, do you think they're going to introduce them first? Do you think they introduce Doctor Doom first? Oh, they got to introduce them first. I mean, yeah, because I so. Doom is their enemy. No, they, no, they don't. They got to introduce them at the same. Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think they need to be introduced together. Hmm. Together. Hmm. You know, Julian. The oh, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. But here, here's my take on this. I think that the character of Doom and actually the Fantastic Four have suffered up till now because you know from the Roger Corman version. Every time they've done the Fantastic Four, they've tried to do Doctor Doom as well. Yes, and Badly. while while the the characters are inexorably intertwined, Doctor Doom didn't actually appear until like I want to say it was Fantastic Four number five, possibly yeah five. There you go. So um, you had had a bunch of other Mole. characters. You had the Scrolls. You yeah. had the Mole Man. You know, I mean, they were doing other things and. Now, of course, he is their arch enemy, but I think there's something to be said for kind of leading into that, you know? Now, hey, popular culture and uh, show business being what it is, the emphasis on the business, uh, I don't see how they could possibly introduce the Fantastic Four and not at least allude to Doctor Doom, but maybe you do something a la Batman Begins. You know, you remember the end of that where, Mm -hmm. take this guy. Double homicide. Yeah. <laughs> Got a flair for the theatric, like you. Left a calling card. You know? and I love how it, he gave him, and the, and the playing card was turned over. So you had to flip it to see it was a joker. It's like, yeah. <gasps> oh my god! You know? yeah, that was well, good. But I mean, I yeah. saw, I've said for a long time. I said I would absolutely not include Doctor Doctor Doom in a Fantastic Four movie. So you would do it with Mole Man. Like I would, the, I would like do, in the comic book. Yeah, actually, I would, I would do Mole Man first. I would do Namor first. I would do the Frightful Four as a cold open. There's there's plenty of villains for them to take on. You do not need Doom to be their leadoff, and especially you don't need him in their origin story. The you way don't, you know, you don't need him yeah. there. That I, was never yeah, part yeah, of the origin disag- until Ultimate Fantastic Four. I disagree with that. But that was a mistake. I... Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you don't need Doom in the origin because that don't make sense. No. Mm-hmm, right. Um, he's good for the backstory of Reed and Ben. Like, that. that's cool. Like, oh, yeah, you're... Oh, this... The dude from college... Like, Ben's like, the dude you from college? You can maybe do like, that. But, yeah. um... Mm-hmm. Being that, the scrolls have already appeared now yes. multiple times. Mm-hmm. Namor clearly isn't being... They, he's he's popping up in Black Panther 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do agree that Mole Man should be the first person... Since I didn't get my dream of the Justice League fighting Star Road or Star Conqueror in their first mm. their first fight, but yeah, it should be Moment. But I do like I do think in that movie you should see Doom. Yeah, uh, I think he I doesn't think have to be important I, to the plot. I think in the post credit scene, I would yeah. I would have him in the post credit scene and show him there and like you know, yes, this is my enemy. I'm going to take him down. That yeah, kind of thing. because he, he he can interact with so many other characters. Yeah, exactly. So but you, you have to introduce actor, him first. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just you just and this this is the thing. Like when you show Doom, he's like certain characters that people automatically know. Like, oh, I know who that is. 
That is Doctor Doom. For Doom's first appearance, I would do exactly what they did with Thanos when Thanos grabs the Infinity Gauntlet and says, "All right, I'll do it myself." But yeah. how do you explain the, the fact nuts over that? That we're talking about a country that nobody has talked about. You mean like Wakanda? Well, and, well and, you mean like Magic World? Not look, look, quite. Not and, quite. What and even actually? that, you know, because I think it was in Iron Man Two. Yes. They had a map. Uh, yes. That was up yes. behind at some point, and Wakanda was one of the countries on that map. Now, yes. now I may be crazy, but I want to say that Latveria has been introduced in a similar fashion. Yeah, but I'm just it, saying it's showing up on a map. Sokovia is made up. Yeah, Sokovia mm. is a, is a plot device. Well, it doesn't mm -hmm. exist anymore, so uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, no, the land. <laughs> well, remember, it went up. It came no, back it, down. They, they say in Falcon Winter Soldier that it be it was absorbed into something else. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm. it's, so it's like, a different country now. So, but you know, Majapur. They 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 talk about randomly made up countries all the yeah. time. So. and and the fact that you know Wakanda never showed up before doesn't mean it was unknown. It just was not relevant to the story. Or they could so. do something similar to what they're going to do with the mutants. That all is all in stuff that was not necessarily part of the MCU until that moment start showing up and they could tie it up to what's happening with Well, Wanda. there's there's a lot of ways they can introduce mutants and my my head canon is that um, Professor X and a team of mutants were fighting alongside the Avengers in the Battle of New York and Professor X made everyone forget they were there because you know he wasn't ready to, for the world to know about mutants yet. That could work. So. That could work. Mm -hmm. Oh, I still think a bunch of people gonna go into these random pods and random places across the world and they go pop up on Battle World and to be honest like I've brought you here to my planet <laughs> 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 and I get the secret wars <laughs> actually the prediction I'm gonna do about that I will go see that movie it's possible <laughs> the, the prediction I'm gonna make you about the X-Men is probably Feige is going to avoid the themes we already have seen in the movies and try to come up with an X-Men theme that is not wait, necessarily. Wait, wait, wait. The only theme they did was was apply mutanity to being gay. Yeah. No, but I'm they thinking they got rid of every every other allegory in those movies. <laughs> kind of Jewish, but just for Magneto. Yeah. Yes. And kind of they don't even talk about with Kitty Pryde really. It's all about, it's all about conversion <laughs> therapy. This is it. Yeah. Like well, anything yeah. else, they just like yeah. what matters to Brian Singer is that he, yeah, he's gay. Uh, he saw a mutant. Wait, Brian Singer is gay? Yes. No way! Really? Uh, no way. <laughs> I, I think I think one one thing we're gonna one thing we will not see again is we will not see this um, Magneto Xavier bromance no. anymore. That's not going to be the part of the story going forward. Actually, They're not going to be old buddies. I, I actually would change the roster a lot. I would. I would go with the original X Men. I would uh, actually do the original team. Let them be the originals, uh, and then and then let them move on after a couple of years and have a brand been, new group. It's been played up so many times already by the Fox. Okay, Julian, what do you think? Thank oh, you. I think that we will. I think we will get most of the original team. I'd but I'd like I, to see the original. I actually think Wolverine will be in it, but I kind of think Wolverine will be old. I, I kind of think we're getting Old Man Logan. Yes. And we're definitely going to get Storm because think, of Black Panther. I think we'll get those characters, but I would argue let let the original X-Men be in there first. Recast them if you want to. I mean, if you mm -hmm. want to, you know, vary up the background of some of the characters, then by all means. But I would do the originals first and then bring in the all-new, all-different X-Men with Wolverine, with Storm, and 
factor. Then because the thing is that T'Challa is gone now, so they can't really do the Storm T'Challa romance that had Storm connected. Oh, to they Wakanda. can do that. They T'Challa can, hasn't gone anywhere. No, I, mean, I, I don't think they're going to out and out kill him. In oh, I think they are. Well, oh. that would be ridiculous. Well, <laughs> I mean, that would fr- flat and, and, out and be ridiculous. I mean, you want to use this character they going forward. They may resurrect him. They there'll might be a, resurrect him. Vesor- but be a, well, but if you don't kill him, you don't gone. need to resurrect him in the first place. It could be a variant. You're yeah. listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz and Drew Bittner. And we've been having a bit of a spirited conversation about the way that things might go with the MCU. Of course, last week was the 82nd anniversary Mm -hmm. of the true beginning of the Marvel Universe with the publication of Timely's Marvel Comics Number 1, on August 31st, 1939, 82 years ago. Jeez. Of course, all wow. these comics now are being used as source material. They are the foundation for a plethora of television shows and movies, some of which are the most financially successful in the history of movies, basically. And but particularly when you look at it in terms of this being a shared universe Ooh and the consistency the incredible consistency of these films and you know there's a new one out this weekend it's shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and that is poised to break labor day records despite the pandemic so i'm a lot of the speculation that we've had involves how you tweak the source material because as I mentioned at the outset of the show a lot of the source material is dated in that it lacks diversity and has not aged particularly well you know particularly in terms of the motivations of some of the lead characters and I, I think all of that remains to be seen but one of the things uh, particularly on the Marvel side with Kevin Feige um, he has and I, I'm gonna refer to this as kind of him being in a groove now uh, because uh, and for those of you who might not have seen Shang-Chi I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody and in fact you can listen to the review and (laughs) it is spoiler free but here's the thing Um, you know this character is completely different in the comic books than in the movie and the reason for that is the comic books because of when they came out and what this thing was at the time is completely dated it's there are a lot of stereotypes that are associated with it and Kevin Feige decided to go in a different direction now I suppose they could because they wanted an Asian hero in fact when Netflix debuted Iron Fist several years ago there were calls around for oh they should make Iron Fist Asian because Iron Fist is a Caucasian guy and my statement at the time was look if you want an Asian Marvel martial artist you should do master of kung fu but the point was that there weren't any asian superheroes in the marvel universe and sadly what i have noted uh, and this really it's not just limited to asians or native americans 
Uh, pretty much any time in the Marvel Universe, if you are doing uh, somebody from another country, it tends to really involve a lot of stereotypes. <laughs> and I mean, I'm reminded of uh, what I think it was um, Contest of Champions. You guys remember that? Yeah. A while back. And there was a Irish superhero who was called Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, you know that you just can't get away from these Native American superheroes with the Red Wolf. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, that's Captain you know, Bound- Totem Pole. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's practically like that. Thunderbird. I mean, you know, it, it, and it, it's worse with Asian characters yep. because you look at Sunfire and shoot, even on the DC side. I would love to see an Asian character, particularly an Asian character that is Japanese, that did not wear the flag of Japan on their costume. I just don't even see the need for that. Greg Pax mm. probably created one. <laughs> He's done a lot of Asian heroes lately. So, yeah. Well, you know. Sunfire later on, didn't mm. Then you have... Yeah. Um, Sun- Sunfire evolved beyond that. Silver so. Samurai. Mm. You just got to go to X-Men land. Well, you know, where they have focused on different stuff, you know. Yeah, all right, so um, we're almost out of time for this episode, and I'm curious, because we've talked a lot about uh, where you go from here, but the foundations of some of this stuff, being what it is, um, well, I, I, I... I don't actually know that the, there's the great, a question the, the in great there. Thing, the great thing is, Yuli, that mm. in the movies there is no foundation. Nope. So hmm. you're, you're free to invent well, this what, stuff. What, what do you mean by that? I mean that there's nothing in the movies that requires you to make the character what they were in the comic books or adapt the material, quote-unquote, faithfully. And when, when adapting it faithfully, very faithfully, is going to be insulting or offensive or problematic. Just ignore it. Exactly. Just you know, take take the name and do your own thing with it, and that's what they've been doing with a lot of this stuff. So I I don't see where it's a problem that you know Shang Chi's story has been c- really changed for the movie. I think I think they made it better in a lot of ways. I think there's still some things that boy they may not may not sit well. But again, but I can but I can I can I can only say I can only say that from the perspective of a middle aged white guy. So people go to Wikipedia and read the the character description. Seriously, type in it's not that bad. Read it and read who was his original father and get back to me to be horrified. But the rest of it doesn't the rest of it has nothing to do with him. Yeah. No, it's literally the main character from Enter the Dragon. It's only a copy of Enter the Dragon, just like Power Man is just Shaft mixed with uh, Jim Brown characters from from Black Exploitation, just like Iron Fist yeah. is just Chuck Norris. Like they just ripped you, off all that stuff. If you just <laughs> take away Fu Manchu, he's just a Chinese secret agent that fights people. Yeah, I just wanted a kung fu movie. That ain't what I got, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, and and. I imagine that after this movie has had a chance to marinate a little bit out in the world, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. But I happened to read an interview with Destin Daniel Cretton, the director, and Hmm. he was saying, and I sort of suspected this was the case, but he was saying that um, he he wanted to power up Shang-Chi. He didn't want him to be simply the master of Kung Fu. Mm. And that's how you have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and uh, ultimately, you know, Shang-Chi not simply being this martial artist, but martial artist who's got 
hours, you know? And I, I look, I understand that if you are trying to uh, sort of fill in and make this character comparable with some of the other characters. My only criticisms are, I am sort of with Julian, I mean, I wanted to see, because this guy's Kung Fu, is this what you don't understand? This guy's Kung Fu was so dope that he could actually beat superpowered people. I mean, he was, shoot, I was just reading a comic where he was fighting Spider-Man. Wow. Spider-Man, yeah. okay? And Spider-Man swung at him and missed him. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, don't know how to fight, bro. Yeah, but yeah. Spider-Man's got that spider speed and spider agility and all that stuff. I mean, so, but I, I appreciate what you're saying. But still, somebody who is as skilled as a Shang-Chi, you know, can, can you know, get around that. And beyond that, look, I, whatever they've done with Captain America, and I understand he's got the super soldier serum coursing through his veins and all that, but he's basically a costumed athlete, and they have made this guy one of the dopest guys in the Marvel Universe. And so I'm like, wait a minute, so what you're telling me is, is that an Asian guy can't be as dope as Captain America? It's like, wait, what, are you got to give him powers? How about this? I'm like, Hawkeye in Black Widow has nothing. Ooh, that's my that's my yeah. main issue. Yeah. Ooh. And like, like Roberto, I get what you're saying with the Fu Manchu thing, but particularly the that's, comic ooh, book. That's a good point. And the magazine yeah. was literally just ooh. like cool spy stories with some martial arts. Yeah. And I get what they wanted to do, but to me, it sets a different precedent. Where it's like, ooh. so all all the people of color superheroes got got to have something to be a superhero, ooh. and mm. most of the half of the Avengers can either have a metal suit. A bow and arrow, also special brass knuckles. I'm just saying, and the Avengers. If you want to climb Batman for just having money, I'm just saying that's that what we're doing. Oof, that's a good point. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and and Ooh. and that that's an interesting place to go. I mean, but particularly since this was uh, an Asian American director, you know, who's doing this. Now, I don't think that he felt like the character didn't measure up, but he just wanted to make him even more powerful than he already was. And, uh, you know, some of the other things, I mean, it, it's, well, it's going to be interesting. You know, folks, tune in, tune in next week <laughs> because uh, it, it's going to be a, an extremely interesting discussion and uh, we should actually have some clips uh, from uh, some interviews that uh, Destin Daniel Cretton has done because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious about uh, the mind of the people involved here and we have to see how this movie does I mean it seems poised to break all Labor Day records but is this something that it's going to be able to sustain you know I mean so um, I don't know I mean and then come to find out that Black Panther did a lot better uh, overseas than I had thought really? I mean, yeah apparently like it was almost literally 50-50 in terms of the the split. I mean, Damn. 48% of its total gross was overseas. It made about $650 million overseas. Wow. Yes, I was shocked because I, I thought for Whoa. sure we were talking more in the 300000 range. I know? would love to read the country... Uh the breakdown? Yeah, in terms of wh mm. where he did well. Yeah. I'm really yeah. curious well, we can about look that. that up. But, yeah. Yeah. But hey, look, we're out of time, and so I'm going to thank uh, you all, my panelists, and the listeners for having tuned in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and if you visit the, well, actually, if you check your local listings, maybe it's playing in your area. You can also check the website at fantasticforum.tv. Uh, we have all of the various segments broken out 
We also have episodes of the radio show available. We have entire episodes of the TV show available. Uh, of course, the radio show is available as a podcast on all the platforms where podcasts are available. Thanks to our friends over at the Great Geek Refuge. And the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4 right here on WERA 96.7 FM. So please tune in next Thursday if you would just like to hear again what you have heard. And be sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Happy Labor Day. (laughs) Be safe, people.